Hi listeners, welcome to the Because We Love Finding Meaning After Loss podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Haycock. Do you ever wonder how you can help someone who is grieving any type of loss? Are you afraid to open your mouth in fear of saying something stupid? Or are you the griever and wonder how on earth you're going to navigate this loss? I am speaking to individuals who will share their stories and how they're finding meaning after loss. I'll be speaking to professionals who can provide us with useful tools on how to navigate this life. I will be tackling difficult topics relating to loss, but don't worry, there is a sprinkle of humor into these conversations. And my aim is to create a safe healing space where authentic, real conversation takes place. This podcast is aimed for anyone who has experienced some form of loss and or are supporting loved ones who are grieving. My guests are diverse. Some are spiritual, some are not. Some have lost loved ones through death, some through divorce, a job loss, loss of their health. Ultimately, I hope one or more of these stories will resonate with you. If not, no worries, just jump to another episode. As I promise, they're all different and unique. So let's get vulnerable, people. Hi, everyone. I'm really excited about today's episode. I had a wonderful conversation with Jenny, and I know that you will be able to resonate with some of her story. And so after a lifetime of struggling with personal symptoms and losing loved ones to chronic diseases, Jenny Smith's mission has become clear to help women take back their health. After many years of experience in education and social services, She switched gears and became certified as a functional medicine health coach. She helps frustrated women lose weight for good by teaching them a simple approach to weight loss that does not involve calorie restriction or excessive exercise. She takes a holistic approach to sustainable weight loss and believes food is medicine. Now, when I talk and I read her bio, I bet some of you are wondering like, what? This is because we love finding meaning after loss podcast, not a um, weight loss or macro counting, calorie counting, food prepping conversation. We talk about health, but we talk about our journeys and Jenny is going to share about her losses and how this propelled her to help women. So I know that you are going to enjoy this conversation as much as I did. So let's talk to Jenny. Ah, Jenny, thanks so much for spending some time with me. I'm excited to have you on the show. Thank you, Lisa, for having me. Absolutely. So Jenny, as we've talked before, um, we talked a little bit about some of the losses that you have had. And so I just wanted to open it up and just ask you, you know, a little bit about your journey, about some of these significant losses. And so you just, just share as much or as little as you want and what you feel comfortable with. Okay. Yeah. Um, for the most part, growing up, I didn't lose anyone close to me until I was in my twenties. Like as far as like close family member, um, my grandpa passed away when I was 21. And so I had 
both both sets of my grandparents on my mom's side and my dad's side until adulthood. So in when I vision my adulthood and my life, my parents were a big part of that. And life happens and life as we know it, there's we can't have expectations and we just never know when our time's going to come. And my mom, I lost my mom when she was 52. Uh, she passed away from breast cancer. So I was 29 at the time and it happened very fast. Like she, she hid her illness from us, I think, cause she was scared. Um, and she didn't get medical help until it was too late. So, uh, she was diagnosed with breast cancer in October and she passed away in February. Wow. That is and fast. Yes. But with, with her, her passing, we knew it was coming. Like she ended up in intensive care. We knew that she wasn't going to recover. So we were able to have a lot of closure and beginning to process that and beginning to think about life without my brother and I to think about life without our mom. And when she passed away, it was very different from when my dad passed away. Mm -hmm. So my dad passed away six years later from a massive heart attack and his heart attack was a result of kidney failure from unmanaged type two diabetes. So one day he was there, he lived probably like less than a mile from me. I was at his house. And the next day I got the call that he was at the hospital. And when I got to the hospital, the doctor said, we're sorry to inform you, your dad had passed. That loss was so hard. Like when I think about it, I still get all emotional, obviously, like it's my dad. But when I think about the two, cancer is horrible to watch your loved one suffer, but it's an opportunity to say goodbye. Yeah. It's It's an opportunity. Yeah. It's the anticipatory grief, right? We Mm -hmm. know that they're going to pass away, but like you said, you have this opportunity to say everything that you need to say and spend that time with them in the sudden losses. They're Mm -hmm. just here one moment and gone. There's no, you, you don't get to say goodbye. Right. Yeah. And it's so tra- I mean, it's all traumatic. Yes. But so your dad passed away six years after your mom. Mm-hmm. You were young. I mean, that means that you were what, 36 or so? I was 36 when my dad passed because I remember crying to my husband, thinking, because I, you know, I envisioned myself living a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and I told my husband, I'm like, that is such a long time without my dad. Like I with when my mom passed, I wasn't married yet. I didn't have my kids. And when my dad passed away, I had both of my kids and my son was only five months old. Um, so I, I just, it just hit me that, wow. Like, and, and growing up, like with, with my experience and having my grandparents, I just assumed they would be around. They'd be around to be a part of my kids' lives. Like they would be around to help me and support me. So when they both passed away, it was like, what? And then you feel like an orphan, no matter how old you are. Um, But I always, I always try to see the positive and I had them for my growing up, my early stages of my adult life. um, And they're still a big part of my life, just in a different way. 
Um, so I, I like to look at that positive because I know that there's some people who lose their parents much younger and they don't have them for their childhood. And that's hard too. It's if my dad would have passed away in his eighties, I think it would have been just as hard or my yeah. mom passed away in her eighties. It would be just as hard. Um, so yeah, it was, it was tough for me to think about raising my kids without my parents. Yeah. I mean, that, that to me is just another part of the grieving process, right? Because your children will not physically know their grandparents, although mm-hmm. I'm sure you talk about them all the time. But yeah, when I was my grandfather um, passed away, my mom's dad passed away when my brother was three months old. So I, he, it was, he died before I was ever born and he died of a heart attack and it was the sudden loss. My mom was 21. Okay. And I remember my mom and dad always talking about how much my grandpa would love me and how much I would love my grandpa. And I always thought my brother and I always thought we got really robbed of not having grandparents. So I, I imagine from, you know, from the grandchild side as well, just going, wow, I just really wish I would have known him. And yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, you, you said being an orphan, I remember I was 48 when, by the time both my, my parents passed away and I still feel like that was young. And I remember mm-hmm. saying out loud, like, oh my God, I'm an orphan. Yeah. <laughs> There's this sense of loss that I think, you know, we think, right. Like our, we're supposed to bury our parents, Mm-hmm. Parents aren't supposed to bury children. It's not right. the way it should be. The way it yes. should just go is that we bury our parents. And yet, while that can make logical sense to us, I mean, they are our parents. And if you have good relationship with your parents and you love your parents like that, yeah. then it still, I think we, we shouldn't minimize the loss of our DNA of our, our, the people who created us, right? There's such an enormous loss. Yes. So what did you, I mean, how did you process it? You said that it's quite different experiences, like with your mom, how did you kind of process the loss at that time? Yeah. So I, um, my husband and I at the time actually started dating again around that time. And I, I consider that a lifesaver for me. He really provided me a lot of comfort and, um, just really enjoyed his company and his support during that time. My friends, my friends, my family, like I, my mom's brother was just a huge part of helping me get over, not get over, but get through that whole process. Like you have to plan the funeral and my parents weren't married at the time. So it fell on me and my brother, my younger brother emotionally wasn't in a position to, to handle it. So being the older child and it just fell on me and my mom's brother kind of took the reins for me and thank goodness. And so when my dad passed away, because it was so sudden, I physically was sick like Mm -hmm. physically sick. I couldn't eat. I was always on the bathroom, like, like physically it, it tore me apart. And I was having to try to keep it together because I was nursing my five month old and my husband stepped in and he took control 
not control, but he took care of it all for yeah. me. He oh. went to the mortuary. He booked all the appointments. He went through all my dad's stuff because I physically could not do it. Wow. I couldn't. It's, it's, so, oh, it's so important to have that support and just mm-hmm. stepping in and taking, take, yeah. it is taking control of this situation because right. I'm assuming so it just fast. feels so out of control. Right? Yeah. And the hospital's like, what do, where do you want us to transport the body? What do you want us to do with this? And, and then everyone's calling you to, to donate organs and mm-hmm. you're just not, wow. you don't even want to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, it, yesterday they were alive and now I'm contemplating you guys don't taking their organs. Like it was, it was hard. Yeah. Um, and I think that was really what kind of triggered my husband and I to develop a living trust because both of my parents didn't have one. So we didn't realize, and I don't think my parents realized either, right? They probably thought they had all the time in the world to take care of that. Um, and we just never know. And I, my husband having to go through the process with my dad and I having to go through the process with my mom, I just knew like, we didn't want our kids to have to deal with any of that with probate or making decisions and do they want to be cremated or do they want to be buried or all those things. It's now in our trust, clearly defined. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. It's so important. You know, um, I live in the UK and I worked for lawyers and they did wills and probate and they did trusts and they, and, and I remember seeing the ones who had everything in order they, not that they weren't, what it did is it relieved them from some of these other things and they were able to grieve a little bit quicker in a sense, Mm -hmm. because they weren't overloaded with all this paperwork and all these decisions. It was all there. And then I saw the nightmare of it on the flip side of people who weren't organized. So I said to my parents, right. Here's what you need to do. Put my brother on your <laughs> bank account. Cause he's in yeah. Seattle. He lives near them. Yeah. Executors. We need this. We need lasting powers of attorney. We need, and they had everything. Yeah. So Good. when they passed, it was very clear on what we were going to do. And yeah. You know. So, right. And, and so you have this amazing support system, husband, friends, family. Did you with mom or dad, did you do anything else outside where you do therapy or? Oh yeah. I did therapy with both. And I actually happened to be in therapy when my dad passed. I was, I don't know if I was dealing with um, postpartum. I don't think it was depression, but I was dealing with anxieties and that's like my whole health journey. That's what really led me to what I'm doing now with my health. But I just thank God that I already had her set up. Like I was already going to her. I already had a relationship with her. She was the first person I called and well, I shouldn't say the first after my family, she was the first person I called. I said, my dad passed away. Um, and she said, Oh, Jen, like you have to make sure. Cause she knew I had a brand new baby. I mean, five months, brand new nursing him. She goes, you have to take care of yourself, make sure you're eating, make sure you're drinking. And I remember my girlfriend coming over. Um, and my dad was very well loved, like people loved him. So, and that was comforting to have people reach out and tell me how much he meant to them. Same with my mom too. I think I talk about my dad mostly just because it was recent and he was a big part of 
my kid's life until he passed. Um, my girlfriend came over and she brought like cake. Yeah. Normally I would have dug into it and I could not stomach it. I said, I just can't eat it. Like my body just went into like a shock. So physically I really tried to listen to what my therapist was saying, take care of yourself. And I honestly do feel so like when my mom passed, I had my, my, my boyfriend, my husband now, but he was like my new boyfriend. He kept me busy. He was my support. He made me smile. When my dad passed away, my kids kept me in the now, right? They, especially when they're young like that, they don't understand. They don't really process it. It's like, we still need to be fed mom. We still need to be loved on mom. Like, thank God I had them yeah, because they really kept me busy they were my motivation to take care of myself, to feel my body the way it should be, to make sure that I'm drinking water, to smile. Cause even though like I was in so much pain, my baby just made me smile. Oh, yes. Yeah. And it's this, you're, you know what you need to do for your children, for your family, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Sometimes we just need something to look at that's outward to keep us going to put one foot in front of the other. It sounds mm-hmm. like as well. And I'm so glad you had your therapist as well yeah. already, already lined up. Yeah. So you had, you had that support, you had family, friends, you had all of that support. And then you when did you, cause I know that you're a functional medicine health coach now, mm-hmm. right? And so first of all, let's talk about what that actually is for anybody <laughs> listening, right. somebody who doesn't know what yes. is that. And I'm curious how you got on that path, you know, through your, through your healing journey and how, and what brought you to becoming that. So first of all, what is a functional medicine <laughs> health coach? Yeah. So, um, functional medicine is considered like whole body medicine and, Functional medicine practitioners are trained to look at the whole person. And if you go to them, let's just say I'm having symptoms of um, stomach pains constantly. So they're going to look at what is it in your whole environment, your body, your environment, the food you're eating, the toxins you're exposed to, how you're living, what is it that might be contributing to this problem? Where here in America, we have kind of mainstream medicine. And if I'm having like major uh, stomach issues, I might go to a gastroenterologist and that doctor is trained in that area specifically. So they're going to treat the symptoms of that problem. And usually they're trained to treat them most often with medication or surgeries. And they're not really in a, in a practice to look at the whole body might be connected where functional medicine is, they want to get to the root of it. Um, and the root could be how we're sleeping. Like I said, how we're eating toxins in our environment, our relationships, any trauma that we've been exposed to in our life. Um, even birth stories. Like when I went to my functional medicine doctor for the first time, she wanted to know 
everything from birth until now. Had I been on antibiotics? Was I bottle fed or breastfed? Was I vaginal delivered or C-section? And I'm like, what? That matters? Yes. All of that matters to our health. So it, the turning point for me was we've been in Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona for about five years now. And I was dealing with, um, well, I was, I wasn't working at the time when we moved here. Uh, I told my husband, I wanted to take some time off. And so I was learning a lot about health, reading a lot of books. And one of the books I came across, the doctor said, if your fasting blood sugar is above 90, so fasting means when you wake up and take your blood sugar, if it's above 90, you're on your, you're on the way to prediabetes. Um, so that, that was like, okay, I'm going to go out and get a monitor. And I want to see where I'm at because my dad had type two diabetes. So, you know, doctors will say you're more likely to get it because it's in your genes. If you know, your family has it when really we know that that's not true. Type two diabetes is lifestyle related anyways. So I took the blood sugar reading and it was very high. So I went to my endocrinologist and I said, I need you to test my A1C. I need to know where that's at. I'm really concerned. My dad had type two diabetes. So she tested my A1C. I was 5.6, 5.7 is pre-diabetic. When I asked her, oh my goodness, what can I do? I need to, I need to reverse this. I need to get this number down. This is too close to where, you know, too close. And she said, oh, you don't have to worry. You're fine. You're not pre-diabetic yet. Like you're fine. Just make sure that you continue to eat right and exercise. Well, in my mind, I was eating right and exercising. So I couldn't, I didn't understand why I was almost pre-diabetic. <laughs> so um, I just didn't like that answer. I felt like sh I wasn't getting any help from her. And that's when I finally dove into functional medicine. I paid the out-of-pocket costs because it's not covered by insurance companies, unfortunately, yet. But my dying wish is that one day it will be and that we'll all have access to that kind of care. And what it boiled down to was my blood sugar. My blood sugar was at the root of a lot of what I was struggling with. My depression, uh, my weight gain, my fatigue, my anxiety. And I completely overhauled my diet. And I literally, I know this sounds, you know, wonky, but I was like a, a new woman. <laughs> I was just like yeah, a completely yeah. different human. I was so, I just felt so good in my skin. And that's when I wanted to tell other people about this. And, and I have always been in the helping profession with social work and counseling. I was in educational counseling. So I thought, this is what I want to do. I want to get certified in functional medicine, health coaching, and coach other women who might be struggling like I was, get back to the root, get back to the foundations of health so that they are feeling their best and that they are, you know, in optimal health. And the best version of themselves for them and for their family. Yeah. Amazing. And what, that's great. I mean, you and I both talked about Dr. Hyman and how we're both like, we love him so much. Yeah. Um, and so tell me, is this, was that something that with your dad's type two diabetes and then ultimately his passing, did that propel you into this journey of health is that yeah kind of, do you think that was a stick yeah. starting point it was definitely the starting point because I just took for granted that they would be around yeah I just figured you know like my dad's family members like his aunt lived to be 101 or something like that like his parents lived to be well into their 80s and I just assumed that 
you know, my parents would, would live a long time Yeah. and I can't assume that for me. And so the pain that I went through with losing my parents, I don't want my kids to go through that pain. Yeah. And so God willing, I mean, I could, you know, I could die in a car accident tomorrow, but what I can control is how I take care of my body. And I do believe both of my parents' health could have been better. Like they could possibly still be here had they taken better care of themselves. So I know that I am responsible for that. And I think that was kind of the wake up call for me. I can't take for granted that I'm going to be around a long time. Yeah. Um, Yes. So that's really was what kind of catapulted me into just learning more about health and taking better care of myself. Yeah. Amazing. And, and really, I think it's, it's quite interesting what you were saying, because with functional medicine, they look at the whole body. So it's not just Mm -hmm. the kale that we're eating or the sugar that we're eating, like toxic relationships, Mm -hmm. the environment, the trauma. So, so in your studies, did they talk about like trauma on the body, grief in the body, like how it manifests itself and how in functional medicine, do you care mm-hmm. for that? Or do they, do they touch upon that? Um, so yes, absolutely. Like they do something called the timeline, um, and the matrix and how they try to kind of correlate when symptoms come about. So when did this happen for you? When, so like for me, hypothyroidism, I got hypothyroidism in my twenties. So what happened in between, you know, when you were born till then could have maybe triggered this in you, um, is it, was it your diet? Was it, you know, something that happened to you in your youth? Um, just kind of trying to pinpoint it. It's very investigative. Yeah. So it's, it's, it takes, pro, it takes patience from the patient <laughs> to go with the process and be like, okay, we are really trying to uncover this and, and get to the root so we can solve it. Um, because there's a lot of studies out there and I'm sure in the work that you do, you've been able to find those studies and research that we can make ourselves sick if we don't release trauma, if we don't heal those feelings of grief, it will come out. Like there's no, there's no suppressing it and, and holding it down. Like it's going to come out some way, somehow. So we need to deal with it. Yes. Um, I mean, it's a hundred percent true. And I, I knew enough because of the working, the, some of the work that I did in the States around grief that when these, when I was, had these losses of my parents and my son-in-law and like all these people passing away, I knew enough and knew enough of the research that when trauma sits there, cause it's like the, the book, the body knows the score, like mm-hmm. you, it knows. So when anniversary dates come up, even if you're not aware or even thinking about an anniversary date, but then all of a sudden you're sick or you've got yeah. tension or you're, you don't feel well, or just cry for no reason, or your body knows the score. It knows that trauma that is sitting in there. So, so I knew I needed to get out as much as possible. And it's a continual process. So I think for, for listeners, it it's try to find different modalities and things 
that you recognize that when it's trauma to how, how do you release that? How do you get that out of your body yeah. and continue to do so? Cause then you're going to hit, get hit again, yeah. you know, and go, okay, yeah. how do I deal with that? So I love that you, I love that you, it's a holistic mm-hmm. really approach yeah. to health. Yeah. I just started doing breath work with a practitioner. She offers breath work classes. And the first time I did the class, I, I, I just was like, whoa, I had no idea. I had so much sadness still in me. Like I, every time I do a breathwork class, I shouldn't say every time, but majority of the time tears are flowing. And when I journal about it, it really kind of stems from that sadness that I still miss having them here. And so my brother's about to have a baby. And I, I think like, my parents should be here for him. Like it is, it just, the grief is coming up again. Like, even though, so I think a big part of my faith too. And I think what helps me is I do believe they are physically, not physically, spiritually connected to us. I do believe that they are here. I just have so much faith in that. So the fact that it's not like they won't see the baby, they're going to meet the baby. They're probably going to hold the baby before my brother does. (laughs) Yep. Yep. But to have my, like for my brother to navigate parenthood without his mom, like that is that I still have, I have so much sadness Yes. for that. And that's in me. Absolutely. And it still comes out and just, you know, and, and depending on your childhood and how you were raised, suck it up. Don't cry. Like crying is a sign of weakness. Like just let the tears honestly are it's, it's a way that our body is healing and just releasing that energy and letting it go. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you're so right when there's something, a new thing that happens, like, or something exciting that happens, like a new baby, you Mm -hmm. know, these are the things I, I remember at my mom's funeral, I would say when anything bad happened, I called my mom. When anything good happened, I called my mom. And this really bad thing happened. And I couldn't call my mom because the bad thing that happened was she died. Yeah. And it's that, oh my God, like they should physically be here. I mean, you know, there'll be listeners who have different belief systems. You and I have Mm -hmm. talked about this. We both are on the same page. I agree with you. I, I know in sense, and we are connected. Our DNA Mm -hmm. is connected and they are all, they are with us, but, but it's, it's different, isn't it? Because they're not physically here to Mm -hmm. hold the babies and to be there. So there is, that's why I think we don't ever get over the loss because we're, and as the years go on, are you finding as the time goes on, does it get easier? Does it get, is it the same? Is it, how does that feel for you? I would say that the, the initial, like my cousin, I remember when my dad died, um, my cousin sent me an email and he goes, I just, and he lost his brother. So he said, "I, I just want you to know that the sting gets a little bit easier. Like as far as the initial pain, like the gut wrenching, like pain gets easier. Navigating through life without your parents, there's good days and bad days. And especially, you know, when you have friends that still have their parents, I always say, just don't take advantage of it. Don't take it for granted. 
spend that time with them, be thankful. And I think they forget too, right? Until they hear me say, I don't have my parents like you do. Um, I almost lost my father-in-law to COVID a couple of years ago, or was it last year? It was, I don't know, but it was awful. And, and he's been my dad since my dad passed away. So my dad's been gone um, 10 years now. Mm. So he's been my dad and I love him so much. And so when he almost passed away, I was like, I was on my knees praying to God and to my dad saying he can't go yet. Yeah. <laughs> Please don't take him yet. He can't go yet. I need him here. And thank the Lord. He was saved mm. and he's still here. And my sister-in-law doesn't like car rides. And my father-in-law is probably like the, just the most like tense driver annoyed at everyone on the road. And I said, come visit me. It's like a four hour drive from where they live. I'm like, come visit me. She goes, Oh my gosh, I can't be in the car with him. You know how, how horrible. And I said, you know what? Your dad almost died last year. Just be grateful that you have him to drive you to Arizona and bitch the whole way there. Exactly. (laughs) And it was, I think that for her, she was like, Oh my gosh, you're right. Okay. Sorry. And she came. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's all just per- changing, perspective. changing the perspective. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, they drive you nuts. It's your dad. He's going to drive you nuts. But just that he's here is such a blessing it's to be so able to. True. It's such a great message because I, I don't know how many times I rolled my eyes at my parent, like, oh my God, mm-hmm. like, you know, and they'd come here to the UK and stay for like two months. And I'd say to my girls who are grown, okay, go, go see them. You know, I'd be like, oh my God, you know, but obviously <laughs> I love my parents, but I'm like, oh, yeah. you need to go. And then, yeah, but I have the same message as you. And now it's like, oh dear. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Not out of guilt or whatever. Cause I'm sure I draw, I know I drive my kids crazy, but yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's such, it is such an important, it's such an important message that, you know, especially for those who have a great relationship with their parents, mm-hmm. and even if they annoy them is to spend that time. And I, I appreciate the, the part of the sting because the mm-hmm. physical sickness that you had mm-hmm. obviously subsided as time yes. went on, but we never, we never get over. It doesn't get easier. People don't, you know, we, I think we're so grief illiterate at times that, that that message I think is really important to not to say, because like you said, it's, it's been 10 years and still, you know, obviously you miss your dad, miss your mom and it's just not the same. And I think as the years go on, sometimes it's almost harder in a sense, because it's that Mm -hmm. much more time that you haven't seen, touched, heard, and your children are growing and, you know, and I imagine I imagine that that is painful. It is good times, bad times. Well, and and what I tell my friends who do lose their parents um, is that keeping them alive by talking about them. Like I have pictures in the house. I talk about my parents all the time. So I always say grandma Debbie or you know, grandpa, because my, my father lost Papa. So I always say grandpa and, yeah. and my son was so little. He doesn't remember. My daughter was three and she was, she spent a lot of time with my dad, but I do still think she doesn't remember. Like she remember then, but now that so much time has passed, she, she sees pictures 
she has an emotional connection to him, but the memories I think are very, very faint. Yeah. <laughs> but because I talk about it all the time, I created books like picture books with my daughter and my dad. Um, I always say like, we joke about my mom because she was so silly and would say funny things. And I was like, oh, that's what grant, like I'll say it. And I'll say, that's what grandma Debbie would say, you know, just keeping them alive. And so true. It's that is so healing for me to talk about them. Cause I do feel like it keeps them here. It's so in our true. Life. It's such a good point, Jane, because that is one of the things I think that we need to give that message out to people is that, you know, we want to tell stories about mm-hmm. our loved ones. They lived, they still live within us and we want to share and we want to talk about them. And that is the way to keep the memory alive, but that is so healing too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. it's amazing. Amazing that you do that with your kids. I love that. I love that legacy. And that yeah. just teaches them that they do the same, they, they're learning something so powerful and mm-hmm. also in, in grief and death mm-hmm. and that we still talk about the ones who have passed. Yeah. On. What a, what yeah. a great lesson. And I was, I wasn't, um, I didn't mask the pain either. Like they saw me cry. They still see me cry yep. um, when it comes to that. So I think that's another thing too, is to not be embarrassed by the tears and to be comfortable to just cry and let it out because it is so healing. And, and everyone's journey with grief is different. They grieve differently. Like some people aren't criers. Like I, for me, that's very healing to be able to cry. Um, so as long as it's, as long as the feelings are released in some way. And that's why I love breath work. I I stumbled across it last year and I thought, where has this been? Like, it is amazing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I I love the the modalities that you've used, Mm -hmm. you know, in the, in the healing. And like you said, not holding back and just, and when it comes, it just comes and it's, it's, it's so hard to hold it back anyway, when it comes, isn't it? It's so difficult. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and it's, it's amazing work and in the show notes, I'm going to put how people can find you, but why don't you tell us someone's listening going, Oh my God, I need to connect with Jenny. So tell us where can people find you your website? And then, like I said, I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. Yeah. Um, my website, simplifiedlifestylecoaching.com, but I'm most active on Instagram and you can find me there, Jenny, J E N N Y A Z underscore coach. So I am a health coach and I help women, frustrated women over 40, um, transform their health by teaching them a simple approach to weight loss. Um, So simple is short. It's an acronym that I came up with for uh, sleep, intermittent fasting, meal prepping, prioritizing protein, lifting weights, and exhaling, which is releasing the stress. (laughs) Wonderful. I love that acronym. It's just so overwhelming, right? Like, oh my gosh, I got to go keto. I have to go paleo. I have to do uh, low carb. I have to do high, like all the things that can be so overwhelming. So it really is going back to the basics and sleep, stress, how we move our body, um, how we feed our body is 
is, is all there is and how, how our overall health is. So it really is going back to like the simple basics. <laughs> yeah. And I love that you've used that word as an acronym. Yeah. Simple. Yeah. That's great. Okay. Perfect. Well, I'll put the details in the show notes, but I'm so grateful that you came on and shared your story. So thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa, for having me and inviting me. Absolutely.